Thank you, Pastor Carl. He's pretty pumped up today, isn't he? Still giving those whoops. So, hey, and kids, I just want to say of all ages, um, I'm thrilled that you are with us as well. And um, today, I want you, maybe if you even ask for your parents right now, they give you a piece of paper or something that you can draw on, and all you older kids can draw too. We're going to do some drawing today, all you artists. I'm going to have fun with that. Um, but um, I am super pumped that you're well. And, and all those online listening, you kids, go get a piece of paper and talk to your parents of getting one of those two ready. So um, we are... Uh, we are, are celebrating our great king today. Reminds me of a story. Um, I recently went hiking on a mountain with a good friend of mine, a fast friend of mine, and uh, he, he played a game with me that was a little bit, um, as we were hiking there, is a twist on another game you know, which is, uh, I think it's called, what, Three Truths and a Lie, or Three Lies and a Truth, Two Lies, right? And so um, he sanctified this and made it two unfulfilled truths and, a, and, a, and a complete truth, okay? Does that make sense? Because he's a Christian, he wanted to, to sanctify this. And, and so he said, John, you need to guess which of these three things, these three statements that I'm going to make, is completely true. So this is what he told me as we're climbing this mountain. He said, three things about me you need to know. One, I've talked to the President of the United States. Two, I've met with royalty. And number three, I was recruited by an NBA head coach. A pro head coach. So I'm like, oh, okay, let me try to guess this. Um, I said, I think, I think that you've talked to the President of the United States. And so my friend Ray said to me, he said, well, actually... Um, I was working for this uh, forum, this organization, and we were trying to put on a, a forum and, and inviting um, some really great speakers. And so we thought that we would invite, um, at the time, Senator Barack Obama. So I called him, and we talked for half an hour, and he was so gracious. And uh, he was interested at the time of maybe coming to Canada. And I called a couple of months later to uh, talk to his assistant. His assistant said, well... Actually, um, Senator Obama now has some new commitments and didn't go into them, but those happened to be running for president of the United States. So that was uh, a truth yet to be fulfilled. Um, and then my friend told me, well, he was a very good uh, basketball player out there in British Columbia, and he was recruited to play basketball at Simon Fraser University. And the head coach of Simon Fraser University at the time was Jay Triano. And Jay Triano, as many of you know, became the coach of the Vancouver Grizzlies and then went on to coach who else? The Toronto Raptors, right? And so he said, okay, yeah, I was, I was recruited by this, this head coach this pro head coach, this NBA head coach, but he wasn't the head coach in the pros yet. And so then he went on to tell me this story that was completely true. And he told me when he was a young boy that Queen Elizabeth, the Queen of England, came to British Columbia and, and he was chosen along with some other students to kind of stand and, and um, be acknowledged by the, the Queen. And so he did. He stood there and the Queen came and she stuck out his hand and 
and he got to actually uh, greet her and, and, and shake hands with the queen. Anybody else here ever got to meet the queen or seen the, per- the queen in person? Yeah, okay, so we have some, we had some of first service as well, maybe some online. You've got to meet the queen. Can you imagine seeing the queen? I mean, it would be just amazing. I, I think about our own head of state, the Queen of England, and, and what one person told me when, that a lot of people think of the Queen of England sort of like a hood ornament, if I could put it that way. Um, I don't mean to be crass or to belittle the queen, but you know, we, we see her on our, our currency, on our, on our dollar bills, on our, on our coins. Um, we uh, maybe, we think of the crown as the, the prosecuting attorney, attorneys or, or the gov- government who owns that land, crown land, right, that we all enjoy. And she's essentially a, a hood ornament to some think, that she has no great influence you know hood ornaments, right? You can think of them right now. You see a, a car, and a hood ornament just identifies with the cars. You can think of a car, and if there's a, a big cat on the front, it's a Jaguar, right? Or if there's a circle with, kind of like as a star, right? That's a Mercedes. Well, Maybe some of us think that the queen only serves as a reminder that we once belonged as a nation to the former British Empire or a last vestige to um, the, uh, the commonwealth of nations. And if the show of the crown is any but true, it reveals that actually one can hold much power and much influence by staying silent and actually working behind the scenes through the Prime Minister of England. And because of this great power influence that the Queen has, many of us uh, would crowd to go see her. Well, I should say pre-COVID and maybe post-COVID to see the, whoever is sitting on the throne of England. So let me ask this question, because we struggle to understand how to relate to royalty. How do we relate to King Jesus? Or let me make it more personal. How do you relate to King Jesus? This coming Friday and Saturday's Christmas isn't canceled reminds us that King Jesus is still very popular. As Pastor Dan already mentioned, there's over 300 cars that have been registered and and it went quick. And I hope that you would join us, especially those listening online for this drive-through experience. And and if you think about it, especially during Christmas season, that his, his, um, the symbols of his, his rule are everywhere. But is Jesus just an ornament on our Christmas trees? Is Jesus just a baby in a nativity set? Is he just a status symbol, a relic of the past that some think that the Queen of England is? How do you relate to Jesus? Let's find out by turning in our Bibles to Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. You can look this up. You can Google it. Zechariah, it's a, he's a prophet in the Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 9, verses 
9 through 13. And please stand with me for the reading of God's word. If the Queen of England came in into our presence, we would stand. Well, how much more the King of Kings, when he speaks to us, would we stand? So Zechariah chapter 9, starting in verse 9. This is what we read. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foil of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot of Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant, I will set your what? Prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. For I have bent Judah as my bow. I've made Ephraim its arrow. I will stir up your sin, your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and wield you like a warrior's sword. Now don't sit down yet. How are we to relate to Jesus? Two simple words today. Boisterous worship. Boisterous worship. If you get nothing else today from this message and how you're to relate to King Jesus, you should exhibit great joy and rejoicing in boisterous worship. Look what it says. Look again, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Therefore, shout and cheer and clap your hands and jump up and down and worship Jesus Christ of Nazareth as king with the greatest Baptist boisterous that you could muster, okay? It reminds me of a southern gospel song my dad used to sing. Maybe you can join me in it, help me in it. The king is coming. The king is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding, and now his face I see. The king is coming. The king is coming. Praise God, he's coming for me. Do you believe that? A couple weeks ago, my daughter, she, um, she got her G2 test. And she came out of the car, she, taking the test, and she said, I got it. And guess what? I jumped up and down. And no one thought I was weird. They're like, oh, there's another dad, right? Happy about it. Well, maybe it's not all dads are happy about their daughters getting driver's license. But I was. Nobody thought I was weird. So here's the thing. If you are really happy... That Jesus is your king, let your face show it behind the mask. And let your lips tell it. Amen, amen, amen. So before you sit down, we got one more song to sing, Joy to the World, okay? And I'm going to let, because I got through, the king is coming, but I'm going to let Jason and the team lead us through. So before you sit down, let's sing this song. You can put your Bibles down. Not away, we're going to get back to God's word. 
But let's sing this, Joy to the World. seated and our worship team can also join out in with you to sit down and sit under God's holy and mighty word. So what is King Jesus going to do? What's he coming to do? Our good and humble king is coming to offer salvation. That's what he's first going to do. In fact, look again at verse 9. It's right there. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he. Now that, that phrase, righteous and salvation, is he, immediately pricks our ears. It's, it's a different way of hearing, right? Sometimes we say, well, yeah, he's the righteous savior. But literally, Jesus is Righteous and having salvation. That's who Jesus is. You may have been looking to save yourself. You may have been looking for others to save you. Your spouse, your parents, your friends, your school, your work. You may have been looking to other things to save you like food or Money or sex or power or influence or entertainment. But none of those things will save you. There's only one who will save you. And that's Jesus. You need to look no further. 
He is, first of all, righteous. He is the only one who is good and is salvation. Think about this. Jesus came to earth as God and man. And he was born in a lowly stable to the Virgin Mary to prove and to evidence his divinity. He grew up and he lived a perfect and sinless life. And kids, listen up for a second. He never disobeyed his parents. Can you imagine that? I can't believe that. It's hard to believe that, I should say. He never fought with anybody other than righteous fights. He obeyed all of God's commands. In fact, when he went into Jerusalem shortly before his death, in all four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of them emphasize this is what hap- what this fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. It says very clearly that humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foil of a donkey. As Dr. Walter Kaiser explains this, he says this, the fact that the, the Messiah is not to said to come on a horse signifies that he would not come this time as a conqueror. And yet, that's only partially true. I humbly disagree with Dr. Kaiser because Jesus did come to conquer, but conquer more than a city. He came to conquer sin. This is why, as we talked about this as pastors this past week, and, and um, Pastor Jason brought out and reminded us that Jesus came as fulfillment, also as judge. Remember in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Judges, we read about this in Judges 5.10 and, and uh, chapter 10, verse 4, and chapter 12, verse 14, that those judges, they came on donkeys as they went into cities. In fact, even prophets rode on donkeys. Remember Balaam? He's a false prophet in Numbers 22. And so Jesus coming into the city of Jerusalem is fulfilling the role of not just king, but also as judge and prophet. You might say, well, what did he come into to judge? What happens right after Jesus comes, according to Matthew chapter 21, he immediately judges those that are those money changers in the temple who are robbing other people. That's the righteousness that Jesus has. He's fully righteous. He's fully good. And because of that, he could offer salvation. Jesus is not just righteous, he's also salvation. Because he's good, he can take our place. You might say, well, it's John. Salvation from what? Well, three things. Salvation from our sins. Second of all, salvation from ourselves and all of our selfish ways. And thirdly, salvation from Satan, our mortal enemy, the enemy of our souls. And these three circles explain it very clearly. You might want to take out some paper right now and you can draw on this and this would be helpful 
the first circle I would make is this world is broken and you can draw a squiggly line to show the brokenness of this world. I think we can all agree and almost everybody that you talk to out there would say this world is broken, right? We see that more and more and more. The problem is, is so many of us try to escape this world and its brokenness. And we, we turn to relationships. We turn to pleasure or whatever you, you fill in that blank. And here's what I've experienced. As I try to escape, I get snapped back like an accordion and I feel more broken than I did before. Right? That's what those lines, those swiggly lines look like. And represent, but there's good news. See, God's not, it's not how God originally designed this world. Draw another circle and, and write God's design. God actually made this world perfectly good. But the problem was, was that the human beings rebelled against God. They didn't want to submit to God as king. And so that's what led to what we call sin and the brokenness of this world. And has led to all sorts of problems that we can just turn on the nightly news and we can say, yeah, there's another one. But the good news is, this is the third circle you can draw, that Jesus came as our Savior and as our King. So draw a cross and a crown over that third circle. And we learn that if you and I will... will Turn away from our sin and turn to Jesus and trust in him. Then we can go on to recover and pursue God's design. To be about his kingdom. If you've never received Jesus Christ as Savior and King today, then I would challenge you, this is the day. Today is the day of salvation. You will find no other no other explanation for all of the world's problems, but also the solution, but through Jesus Christ. So today, I've given you, actually, a way to share the gospel with others. In fact, of a recent survey from our 30-day of prayer of fasting from November we were seeking the Lord. Many of you said the thing that, that, that was revealed to you is you want to learn about evangelism training. So today I've given you something that would be very easy to share the gospel with. And you're going to see this more and more and more. In fact, in the coming days, I hope once some of the restrictions are lifted, we hope to go out and share the gospel with others. But first of all, do you believe it? Do you believe this message? I would challenge you to repent and trust in Jesus Christ today. I encourage you to be able to learn these three circles and start praying how you can tell others how God came near by, by his son coming as the king. You know, this Christmas, maybe a stocking stuffer, get some three-by-five cards and be able to draw this out. You could even draw this on a simple napkin. You're going to see this over and over again. This is something that you should all know how to do. Our church was founded on evangelism. I've read about this. We're going to, we haven't left it, but we're going to get back to this more and more and more. Now, 
I'm also going to give you some another opportunity to learn how to share the gospel. We learned about this as a staff these last couple weeks, and we call it the 15-second testimony. So, again, if you have some piece of paper, what I want you to do on the left side of your piece of paper, draw two blanks, like two lines, one line, and then another line. Then I want you to draw a cross right next to that. And then on the other side, on the right side, I want you to draw another um, two blanks. And underneath the cross, I want you to draw another two blanks. And what I want you to do is write in the first two blanks some adjectives that describe you before you knew Jesus Christ as your Savior and King. And then underneath, I want you to uh, write uh, forgiven and follow. And then on the other side of the cross, I want you to write down some adjectives that describe what Jesus has done in your life, how he's changed you. You got that? So here you go. You'll see it. This is what I've done. On my side, I put those adjectives selfish and self-righteous. And then under the cross, there's forgiven and follow. And then on the other side, I've written um, loving and joyful. So here's the 15-second testimony. You can either draw it out or just say it. Here's how it goes. There was a time when I was selfish and self-righteous. But because Jesus came to earth, died on the cross for my sins and rose again, I can now be forgiven of my sins and now I follow him so that now I am loving and joyful. 15 seconds. You think you can do that? This is your opportunity, whether on Zoom, whoever you're in contact with, you can share the gospel in 15 seconds. And guess what? Who can argue with such a testimony? Can say that's not true? No. It's evidence that a good and humble king comes to offer salvation. But I want to tell you, Jesus didn't just stop there. He just didn't offer salvation. The second thing that our good and humble king also comes to offer is peace. We see this in verse 10. Look what it says. And he shall speak what? Peace to the nations. Now when a king comes, usually they come any, anything but peaceful, right? Uh, they, they come to conquer. They come to show their might. They show their power. But contrast this with Jesus. He starts off in verse 10, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. Now Jerusalem and Ephraim represent the people of God in the Old Testament. You may think, well, what? It looks like Jesus came to mete out violence. No, actually, he's not meeting out violence with violence. He's actually overthrowing them. He's cutting them off with speaking peace to the nations. And the irony is that Jesus died during the Pax Roma, the Roman occupation that was supposed to bring about peace. And it was actually... Jesus and his gospel message to the church that it helped eventually overthrow the Roman Empire. People's lives were changed and they wanted something greater. They wanted a kingdom, a heavenly kingdom. I think there's people still today that want something more than this government rule. They want Jesus. Is that you today? The good news is that now Jesus' kingdom extends across the whole earth. 
So has Jesus and his kingdom changed your life? Has it? Look at verse 10. The last part, his rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river. That's the Euphrates River representing the Euphrates. That's actually where many scholars believe the Garden of Eden, where that first rebellion occurred. And so, in a sense, Jesus is coming back and saying, I'm going to redeem and restore where the first rebellion occurred, and I'm going to reign from sea to sea across to the very ends of the earth. And I believe that that will be ultimately fulfilled when Jesus reigns physically on this earth as Revelation chapter 20, verse 4 says. Like the unfulfilled statements. Remember my friend on the mountain? He was telling the truth that this hadn't ever been fulfilled yet. Well, guess what? Jesus is reigning, and it just hasn't fully been realized, but it will be someday. The question is, are you bowing your knee to him now? Jesus is still speaking peace to us in this time of grace. This is what he said in John 20, 21. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And this should be one of the marks of those who belong to Jesus' kingdom. We speak peace to the nations. Brothers and sisters, let's be people of peace and speak peace to others. Let's let our homes be full of peace. When people are walking by our homes, do they hear yelling or do they hear voices of love and peace? It's this peace that passes all understanding. It's this peace that will help us understand that we will never, as believers, live our best life now. That's for the new heavens and new earth. This peace will help us and comfort us when tragedies like an 11-year-old pastor's kid in Hamilton is struck by a truck when he comes back from school. Now he's in heaven. Please be praying for that family today with the funeral and that God's peace and his gospel message would go forth. It's also peace that Jesus speaks when we feel such isolation at Christmas and we can't be with family. And then I'm reminded, actually, that's how the first Christmas was. Remember, Mary and Joseph were apart from their family. Their family were up in Nazareth and in Galilee and they were in Bethlehem. It's also peace when we feel like we're losing all our friends and then we're reminded, oh yeah, there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and also he's the King of kings and Lord of lords. Do you have that peace that only King Jesus gives? See, Jesus is our good and humble king. He comes to give us salvation. He comes to give us peace. But he also gives us a third thing, and that's freedom. Freedom. This is what we see here. Look at verse 10, or verse 11. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Now, what is that waterless pit? Well, Joyce Baldwin, the 
an Old Testament scholar explains it this way, to be delivered from a pit in which there is no drinking water was life from death. You might be in a pit. If there's water, you can still live. But if, there's wa- if it's waterless, you're going to die. So how does Jesus fulfill this? He gave us something else better than water. He gave us his own blood, not to drink, but to be our substitution. He made a blood covenant with us. He shed his blood for us. He exchanged our life for ours. And in fact, Jesus actually fulfills another prophecy that was 1,300 years earlier than this one that Zechariah were reading. Look what it says in Genesis 49, 10 through 11. And this fits in great with what we have saying earlier about Jesus being the Lion of Judah. The scepter shall be not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. This was, this was Jacob, one of the patriarchs, uh, telling about his son, and not knowing that 1,800 years later, one of his, uh, the ultimate son he would have was Jesus would fulfill this. Because look, binding his foil to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine, he has washed his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes. This was specifically filled when Jesus declared on the night that he was betrayed with his disciples in the upper room, he took the cup and in Mark chapter 14 verse 24 says, this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. And that includes you and me and those listening who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't this a king that you would want to follow? Only this king lays down his life for others, for his subjects. I've been thinking about other kings that famously went back to their land. Probably one of the most famous is Richard the Lionheart. He was the king of England from 1189 to 1199. He was returning to England from the Crusades and he was captured and put into prison and held for ransom. And think about this. He tried to free the Holy Land, which was such a horrible thing. And then he's captured. And how do they, what ransom money do they use? They tax the churches at 25% of their properties and take all the silver and gold from the church's treasuries to free Richard the Lionheart. Richard the Lionheart never laid down his life for the freedom of his people, and worse, his ransom was taken at the expense of the church, which he was supposed to be fighting for. Richard's rescue was not laying down his life for the church. There was only one king that did that, and that, his name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. No wonder our good and humble king comes to offer us not just salvation, not just peace, not just freedom, but hope. We see this prophesied in verse 12. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. Wow. Does anybody here feel like a prisoner of hope? A prisoner of hope. That's what you are. You may be locked down, but you aren't locked up by God. You are free. King Jesus has a stronghold for us better than any castle. 
And whatever we are missing will be doubly restored by our King Jesus. This is what he says. I will restore to you double. Did you catch that? So let's make this really practical. Have you ever lost a friend for the sake of following your King Jesus? Well, Jesus promises in Matthew chapter 19 that you receive double or actually up to a hundredfold. Have you ever had your reputation or your goods stolen from you? Guess what? Someday you're going to be on the king's golden streets. And your king is going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Your reputation won't be lost. Or maybe you said, I've just given my time to my family, to people who take me for granted, who don't care about me. They just walk away. It's been fruitless. It won't be fruitless because you will not lose that time. You will have all eternity with your king in the new heavens and new earth. You receive double. Not here. Don't settle for prosperity here. We have it in heaven. So, are you looking forward to the king's return? Or are you more like that dog that heard about that has one of those shame cards on him. And he's sitting there and he's looking all sad with a card around his neck. And he said, said in the card that he ate the baby Jesus from the nativity set. <laughs> and he's not looking forward to the second coming. <laughs> Are you looking forward to the second coming? then you have to believe in the first coming that he is the king of kings and lord of lords. I think there's only one thing we have to do, left to do, right? Boisterously, boisterously worship, right? So worship team, come on back up and we'll sing this last song, Hosanna in the highest, and let's pray. God, I pray today that everyone listening here would one of other online or here, Lord, would know this King Jesus, follow him, live out his kingdom, and worship him with full out passion and love and adoration. May we join the thrones in heaven already there worshiping our great King in Jesus. Hosanna in the highest. God's people said, Amen and Amen.